This is Crypto Core Radio, discussing the ideas, people, and projects building the new digital economy. Get the latest on blockchain technology and cryptocurrency updates with your host, Loops. So, so what's going on? How you been? Yeah, good, good. Um, been busy, obviously, because we're getting uh, closer to some product launches. But uh, went across to change position to um, strategic advisor at Komodo so that I can spend more time um, focused on getting Red Fox up and running and successful. So it's been a uh, a whirlwind nice. transition. Yeah. Right. No. I, I had an idea. Now, I know I know you build uh, businesses on blockchains, right? Yeah. Um, but what if what if you built applications for blockchains? So not only do you do the blockchain, you could do that as well, the service, the businesses, right? But you could also build applications on blockchains. Yeah. So, well. So yeah. So say for example, you build a a messenger for pirate, right? And the, mm -hmm. the messenger will take a, a fee every time you use the me the anonymous messenger uh, service. Yes. So you take one pirate and you know you multiply that by you know I don't know how many messages you think will go a day. A hundred thousand would would be a great you know right OKR to put in right. So a hundred thousand is a good number. You know so you hit that number and. Yep. You got yourself a hundred thousand R. That's a nice amount of R, right? And then, and then we have some type of uh, fund funding coming in, so we could disperse it, you know, for for you the application maker, you know, like sort of like what you do with the businesses, right? You take a percentage. Yeah. We we do do that. Um, so uh, if I used your analogy. Um, we will be doing that, but let's. If I used your analogy of the R, what we would then do is, um, we've learned something really cool uh, from doing a lot of research on the Chinese companies. How that would work would be, for example, the hundred thousand R that would be taken in each day would act as like a crowdfunding type of uh, situation. So what we'd say is, um, we'd encourage people to use the messaging service more and more because the more they use it, the more R we collect, and the more R we collect. Uh, when we hit certain levels, we actually build more functionality out through the app. So people that like it and are using it are encouraged to keep using it more because the more right. they use it, the more it gets developed. So, right. but that, that's it. That's it. That's more of a side effect. The main goal is for them to stay protected and anonymous 100% of the time. And by, by using the app, sure. you're doing that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can, I can, I can explain um, some of the things that we're doing on that, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, when we started off, we started off with a very narrow type of scope. And then what we've realized is we've, uh, had to morph a little bit and, um, that's due to demand or not being able to, to meet the demands that are required of us. So as a result of meeting those, it's opened up doorways that we just wouldn't have envisaged would have, would have actually been on our radar 18 months ago. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, if if you got the skill in house, right? Why not? Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly. So, um, 
so you know, uh, I know I have lately. Uh, we've had you know a lot of family dinners, and you know we always get around talking to cryptocurrency, right? Mm-hmm. It always happens. Uh, so try to tell them about the financial privacy. Is mm-hmm. like they 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 always have the same defense. Uh, there's a lot of bad people in the world, and how how are they gonna assume responsibility for you know whatever crimes they do? Yeah, it's a very good question because if you look at again, we're very close to the to the Asian region because we're based here in Southeast Asia, and we look at what companies are doing in China and these massive economies that have moved right forwards as far as finance is concerned and uh, you've probably heard all the scary stuff like they've got 170 million cameras around the country doing facial recognition and yeah. uh, you can actually get apps that actually show you people that are in debt that are in around you based on physical location and, and GPS. So wow. th- they've got a whole culture of shaming and naming and, uh, you know, people, the, the, the people that are really for financial privacy come out and say like, is this, is this on, is this good? Uh, I understand it's a it's a measure to try and keep people honest and accountable, but this is going too far. Then you've got the whole um, American side of things, and it might not be finance related, but it is tied where people say Facebook collect all of our data and Google collect all of our data and everyone's got data on us and we can't but do anything without it. people. Sorry? But they still use it. For sure. That's the funny thing about it. I mean, people complain and whinge about it, but they're still on it. People actually use the platform that they're on to complain about the platform that they're on. It's really uh, it's, it's really ironic. But if you look at companies like Grab and the ride-hailing companies here in, um, in uh, Southeast Asia, they're actually spending billions, and I mean actually billions of dollars, trying to set up financial frameworks so that they can act as lenders. So the the interesting thing is in the crypto space we talk about the fact that you know australia is now saying you cannot send more than ten thousand a transaction without being flagged and audited and yet when you look at crypto people say well they're going to use that for they're going to use that to bypass the uh the laws and the legislation they're going to use it for terrorism and for drugs and for smuggling money across borders and all the rest of it there's a really like great like the whole way we're moving is it seems that people are on one side or the other but there's a whole area in the middle this gray area that uh people are sick and tired of the way that banks control our funds and the way the governments uh control our funds and that how high we're taxed if we're honest middle class working people versus top people that have systems set up to try and get out of paying taxes and and avoid it and banks are getting fined hundreds of millions of dollars for money laundering so the system is broken and it definitely has to change. It's a matter of um, how and what these regulators who have so much at stake to lose will actually allow to happen. Do you think Do you think Bitcoin can make that change? Yeah, it's a if really interesting all their, if, if we If we take all their money away, do they do we take all their power away? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the flag we fly, isn't it? We we kind of say take back our control and take back our freedom and all the rest of it. And I mean, you you look at it. There's all these uh, DeFi coins coming out at the moment and projects saying that we um we do this financial systems and lending and all the rest of it. But effectively, Bitcoin hasn't been able to break into the mainstream as far as 
an accepted form of payment um, consistently across countries and all the rest of it. And that's the most adopted and, and dominates the market by more than 60%. So a lot of these uh, newer coins are going to really, really struggle to sort of um, to stamp their place. But the underlying technology that the platforms are bringing out in relation to decentralized finance, uh, they're, they're great ideas. But again, I can use China as an example. The Alibaba and um, Tencent and all of those guys have gone into payment systems and WeChat has now got an app and China is dominated by this app. No one uses money anymore. You can put money in, top it up, pay each other through a QR code. Uh, so you go to a restaurant, you pay the restaurant. The restaurant pays for the service, uh, for the uh, food that it wants to buy, pays its staff wages, all the rest of it. No one needs to cash out to money anymore. And the question they recently posed was, if the system's already working through a super app and it's working without blockchain, why do we need a coin? Um, so this is the raging debate in, in um, circles of China at the moment. If those payment systems are working really, really well, why do we need coins to do that? Well, privacy, because everything that works through that, through their system is monitored by them. So when you buy a sex toy, you know, when you when you go buy a dirty magazine, you know, they, you know, when you have some type of personal problem you don't want anybody to know about, they're going to know about it. They see everything you buy. Of course, and I 100% agree with with that. But if you look at the uh, debate that they're having, it's the it's that hang on, we've had a grey area as far as the markets are concerned, but we we kind of don't mind it. We're we're kind of letting that go in in China, for example, because we've been trying to move towards liberalization of uh, interest rates and we want the market to control those interest rates and this is um this is good that we've got other people playing in the finance space but the debate that's happening over there is should a non-bank should a non-traditional uh player control finance the the debate doesn't even consider or weigh in should bitcoin be an option or should should this type of a, a private should a private um, coin or currency be an option. The reason being the adoption levels are just um, non-comparable. So I think personally um, we need to, to have that element of privacy and it's extremely important. I just can't see how we're going to catch some of these other methods that are being um, introduced and, and adopted at, at lightning rates at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, hope, I hope we can get there and I hope that the DeFi blockchain technology um, puts us into the race. What's your What's your favorite privacy coin? Well, I have to, I'm, I'm biased, aren't I? I, I? I have to, I like Pirate because of the fact that, um, <laughs> well, you, you, let's be honest, it's a, it's the it's most the private private coins. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to say what's the best privacy coin, then you have to go for the most private of the private privacy coins. All the rest are sort of uh, compromised in some way, shape or form, but the compromise that you get with with pirate coin is how do you get people to list it or how do regulated institutions um, bring it in as a form of payment? Um, so yeah. that's, the, that's the question. But the thing is that as these laws get passed, I know that in the States, for example, lots of states are now saying it's legal to buy marijuana, for example. And a lot of these industries that were um, previously uh, considered taboo are, are sort of starting to become a little bit more mainstream and that's that's worldwide. I think the market's 
the markets and the marketplaces are opening up a little bit more and it does pave the way for a coin like Pirate to, to take off and, and exist and, and to have, have a market. It's going to have to exist no matter what. Because just like just like Bitcoin, they can't stop it. Uh, it's, I mean, you, they know they know for a fact they can't stop it because they had to sure. tax it. That they, they had to tax it. That's why they taxed it because they knew they can't stop it. Someone, so one of the advisors said, "Listen, this is not going to stop. This is going to keep going. There's no end for this. There's no way to stop it right now. What are we going to do? Are we, we're going to have to get our hands in the cookie jar, right? We're going to have to tax that baby." Exactly, and I think that um, I think that that's you know that's been largely the perception of most of these types of governments as well. And I mean, we're in Vietnam, so we've got a very clear understanding of what the rules are here. And the rules here are quite simple, and that is the, the government missed out on the dot com boom and said we we were left behind. We didn't adopt quickly enough. We rejected it. We were anti these new technology movements from overseas being adopted here. So when blockchain is now coming into play, we're not going to miss out this time. We're going to be fully behind it, fully supportive. We're going to be right in it. But as far as these coin things are concerned and these cryptocurrencies are concerned, you cannot use them to replace the dong, the local currency. So anything that currently buys a dong, any good or service that's bought with a dong, cannot be replaced or superseded with an electronic currency. So um, this is the way that a, a lot of these countries are are adopting um, the current situation. So people are trying to figure out and legislators are trying to work out how they keep control of the money, the taxes, money coming in and out of the country, but how do they also embrace the blockchain um, technology and the movement? And this poses a lot of questions as far as um, anti-privacy and also privacy are concerned. How how do the privacy coins get accepted into countries that have that type of mentality? Well, I think it's always going to be through the underground first, just like Bitcoin started, and then it'll they'll have no choice. It'll be too widespread, in in you know, in order to stop it. Yeah, and well, this poses something that's a bit mind blowing. Actually, it kind of hurts your brain to think about it, but. Let's just say, for example, a country that is like China that actually measures people's, does facial recognition wherever you go, tracks wherever you go, tracks whatever you actually do. Um, those countries, weirdly enough, could be countries that actually, uh, where, where you get adoption of this quicker because oh, the yeah. actual people's oh, movements yeah. and what the people are actually doing is being tracked. So, therefore... If that system big... actually works, mm -hmm. you know, um, what they're doing is actually uh, much more closely monitored and therefore there is some sort of it, it, appeasement as far as they're concerned, as far as tracking is concerned. Right. So there's a lot more resistance. So you're going to get a lot. So it's the red button theory. When the government tells you or anybody puts you in a room and tells you not to push the red button and there's one only thing in the room is a red button, eventually you're going to push the red button. Of course, um, you know, and and then when somebody, you know, if, and if you're doing it at gunpoint, there's more likely you're going to push the red button. Um, of course, actually, an old comedy movie um, that Leslie Nielsen was, um, he said, uh, 
every single door every single door that has the word private marked on it is locked and then someone said how do you know that and he said i've tried to open them all oh wow it's 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 human nature to to try and poke your nose into where you can't go or to press the button that you don't know what it does it's it's human nature but I think the thing the thing that's going to be really interesting is that we do need to wrestle back our control from these massive corporations that control all of all of our data. Um, but the other the other side of the curtain, I've worked in some of these massive corporations that collect huge amounts of data, and they don't either know how to read it, uh, don't store it properly, or don't know how to actually extract the full benefit from it, and they're just sort of waking up to the to the value of the data and what the data is actually worth. So a lot of the stuff that people think um, is being monitored and measured and all the rest of it uh, is not unless it's requested by a governing body or something like that. The, it just sits in um, massive data warehouses or on servers of third-party providers and is not actually being utilised to the extent that we think it is to, to, to have these uh, huge conspiracies. But... but it is a massive, massive issue, and one that's burning at the moment. Did you hear about the whole Circle Tron and Poloniex issues? Uh, Tron, yeah, Tron got delisted. I heard recently. Not Tron, Digibyte. Digibyte got, Byte got delisted, but uh, Tron um, bought into Circle. Circle actually owned Poloniex. Poloniex went out and tweeted that they don't hold anyone's data; that the data's held by Circle. Now, the agreement was that when you sign up to Poloniex that you give them your data um, and what then has happened is they've been sold to Circle, they've transferred all of their data to Circle, uh, but Poloniex is still offering withdrawal services for Americans. So what happens if you lose your password? How, do that, how does that data get transferred around? How does it work during a sale? Who's, who's got our data? Um, who's in control of it? What are the safety? Were we advised? Were we uh, asked if it was okay to transfer? I think one of the big issues that that we have is where is our data? Who has it? Right, and that's across every could, business that we interact with. Right, and mostly businesses that bank on it, you know, are sold our data. Right, so so well, well, businesses think, advertising. Yeah. Someone, someone posted recently, and again, you, you have to verify all this stuff because you don't know how much of it's true, but someone was saying that, um, that you know, the uh, DMV in America, one of the DMVs made $50 million a year out of selling customer data to third parties. So um, whether, that one's, whether that one particular one's true or not, it's, uh, it's indicative of, of um, what these organisations have the ability to be able to do and pass on to people. Um, and that's why I really like this, the Asian region. The Asian region is skipping traditional um, routes. So, for example, a lot of these people that use the WePay uh, payment methods through an app have never actually had a bank account. And a lot of these kids that are growing up, which have had fast technological progression, and uh, we're doing a, a launch soon in Myanmar, these only 3.5% of the population have um, credit cards. 20% have a bank account. Most of these people never will. Uh, most of these people will go straight from having no bank account to being on a, a payment app. So we really have a chance right now as far as privacy uh, is concerned to be able to bypass the traditional routes and only need to get um, 
certain information at certain levels if you need to borrow money or you need you need to put up collateral or something like that but i think it's a fantastic opportunity to bring people into the digital economy and now it's up to um the the creators and the legislators to see to, to make sure that our privacy is protected i just i just had a great idea for an app so, yeah so you you have a credit card you know the way you use credit cards right now well how about for the next pirate festival you know hopefully by then we have some type of pos system set up where we could uh you know people could get some special card or medallion with their with their uh private private and public key on it or somehow uh digitally just people could scan it over a scanner and they pay for everything on the island so you like you, you could top up your wallet yeah, that exists already. It's already very popular in these regions. In fact, um, the first ever DICO, which uh, was, was run by Komodo, which was actually in a, in a down market, so it wasn't a good time to, to, um, to showcase the tech. But the company that did it was called um, Block Nation, but its parent company is called Pouch Nation. What it is is it's a, uh, a rubber wristband with an NFC chip in it and what you do is you top up before you go to the conference uh, concert and then you just scan the wristband and it pays for your food, accommodation, um, can pay for travel expenses, everything. So the, the idea was to extend it so that if a person is flying into Hong Kong to see a band play, they can literally book everything online before they go and then once they actually um, get there, everything from transportation right through to hotel to concert to everything they do they don't have to worry about buying um, the local currencies and, and foreign exchange and all the rest of it because they can literally do everything through this uh, nfc chip on a band so um there's some pretty cool stuff like that happening at the moment that's um that's that's really taking off there's lots of festivals here in vietnam that accept nothing but wristband payments damn i thought it was an original idea uh, that's the funny thing about <laughs> about tech. I don't think there's anything. Uh, uh, everything is just repackaged. But uh, mm. it is a, it is a good idea. I mean, like I say, um, and going back to the WeChat example, I've been saying this a lot lately, and I'm going to keep saying it because our company's uh, changed our philosophy to think this as well. And that is, we've realised in this particular region of the world, especially, it's a great showcase for it. If it's not on your mobile phone, it's not going to get adopted. So forget credit cards, forget plastic, forget things that you have to carry around, forget cards that need to be stamped for 10 coffees and buy, buy 10 coffees, get one free. Right. If it's not on your mobile phone, it's not going to get adopted. They're moving very, very quickly here to have your bank on your phone, um, your, uh, yeah, all, your, yeah. all your personal data, everything. So it's, um, it has to happen um, that way. But how you know there's there's some phones coming out. People are actually building their own phones now. But uh, you know how smart is it to actually keep it on one of these, you know, AT&T or Verizon phones, you know, where uh, data is monitored. I, I believe, I believe the iPhone is definitely monitored. Yeah, it's a good so, question. I think, I think um, we're always going to have issues with that. But there's a lot of uh, technical people a lot smarter than I am. I know my. Um, my brother works in an industry where he, uh, for a famous TV show in Australia where they do uh, house renovations, they basically a whole heap of celebrities get 
um, apartments in the same complex that's a bit derelict and they get a budget and they do it up and then they all go to auction and whoever sells for the most wins. His company puts in all the smart gadgetry and does all the IoT side of things so that the whole house is operated through your mobile phone. And I was talking to him about it when he first got into it and said, how safe is all of that stuff? And then he said, none of the actual, um, none of the actual, or very little of the information is actually stored on the device. It's actually just a, a remote control or a portal, and they're, they're coming up with very good security measures to make sure that it's um, the device is literally just a just an access. Right, just a just a, a node. Yeah, and that's why that's why you know to be honest, even I I thought to myself, oh, we're in trouble because you know we need to run things on mobile phones, and to be to be honest, the way blockchains worked has been you really need. Uh, a laptop or a PC and it needs to be powerful and all the rest of it. And I think that if you look at Komodo's um, NSPV and um, the, the technologies that are coming out now to be able to to run chains on your actual mobile phone without it, you know, killing it, this is, um, this is amazing technology. We are going light and blockchain is definitely coming to mobile. So I think we're headed in the right direction as, as far as that's concerned. Oh, there's so many, there's so many, uh, the, the phones are getting so good these days. I think they're at like six cores, right? They have, six, they have a six core phone. Yeah. Snapdragon was the, the four core. It's mind blowing. Um, when I first moved to Myanmar to do the startup of the new telco there, they, they won two telephone licenses or issued two telephone licenses. And, and my company was one that went in and did, um, did the startup. It was called Oradu. And Oradu is a, a juggernaut in the Middle East and, and uh, different countries. But we went there and it was you, it was $1,000 to buy a SIM card. And the reason it was $1,000 to buy a SIM card is because uh, a government system had been put in and there was very few towers and they didn't want congestion. They only offered a certain number of um, SIM cards every year. So people had no internet. People had no access to uh, you know cellular phones and all the rest of it. And then we came in with uh, Telenor and built four 4G networks that allowed people to get a SIM card for $1.50 and we bypassed all of the make a phone call, use a phone for this reason and went straight into data and content. Now they've got like a, one of the highest smartphone penetration rates in the world. 87% of the, the country still thinks Facebook is the internet, um, but they, they've, they've literally converted from not having internet to being online all the time in five years and we had to introduce mobile phones into that market that were smartphones for $17 was the cheapest we could do them at the time so that people could get their hands on the, the phones that could actually utilize the technology so the, the progressions are, are amazing and these companies like Xiaomi and all the rest of it are taking huge market share off of Samsung and are doing more features for half the price it's it's incredible what's being produced at the moment that's pretty cheap that price i think you can get them cheap phone? now yeah. yeah you can get smartphones for well under 20 dollars and like quite a competitive range of them as well i mean they wouldn't suit um people that use them for the things that we do but uh for a first-time phone user or for your kid uh or for someone who needs to you know do messaging um or use it for emergency purposes and and for basic functionality it's um they, they can do quite a lot for the price it's it's quite amazing and it's only going to get uh better and better as far as um 
technology offerings for the price. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you think people's biggest uh, danger is? Uh, to, I, I always say, uh, you know, a person's biggest danger is himself. Um, Great. So, you know, so what? How do you think people out there could be a little more anonymous and stay a little more private? Like, what, what, what do you think that? What do you think they could do now that they're most people are not doing? That's a great question. I um, I think that you've, you know, people have that society, the pressure that society puts on them to be part of Facebook or to be on WhatsApp or to be on all of these things that all, all require you to give up your information and a whole heap of your personal details. So uh, there's the, so the social pressure um, is different than the underground pressure. I know that, again, my father and brother are both deep into technology and they're both um, uh, don't really have digital footprints and if you they, they went through that you remember a few years back um, Google brought out the whole right to forget and you were able to apply to have every single trace of you online wiped and, the, and my brother and father got rid of every Facebook app every WhatsApp everything um, and those guys you know for all intent and purpose they live in the 1950s they um uh, that's what you'd think anyways because they're underground and you think they'd have no way to communicate to each other but through uh, tin cans and, and string and all the rest of it. But they, they use encrypted, encrypted apps. They, um, they use, uh, you know, high-grade high right. security stuff. Now, for a person like me, uh, a normal person, I, I find it extremely difficult to be able to participate and protect myself. Um, right, right. And, and, I, and I'm not, I don't think there's any shame in anybody saying that. Um, no, me too. I, I can't be anonymous. I got like over 250 radio shows. How the fuck am I going to be anonymous? Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. I mean, people <laughs> like, like ours, we, we can't. But for the person who wants to go anonymous, uh, it's a very good question. I mean, um, I'm probably the last qualified person to comment on it, but I, I, I know that um, it's extremely difficult and with all this type of electronic currencies and and also cryptocurrencies and all the rest of it, if we're responsible for looking after our own keys and our own wallets and our own money and all the rest of it, that's why people pay banks because we're, we're, we're generally not capable or it makes us targets. So um, I think we've got a long way to go and actually control where's our the, own security. Where's all, the, where's all the real men gone, man? Where have <laughs> all the real men gone? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, even when you pay someone, um, like for a person who's not uh, overly technical like myself, you always worry that even when you pay someone to work for you or to work with you or to protect your security or to take care of it, you always think to yourself, when a person knows more about me than a particular subject, it's hard for me to check whether they're on the straight and narrow. Um, it's... I think it's. I think in this particular age of where we're progressing and where we're going to, it's healthy to be a bit paranoid. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, in in the hacking world, you know, the 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 pirate world, um, paranoia keeps you safe. The more paranoid paranoid you are, the better you are, better off you are. I, I think it's totally right, and I think for people like. Uh, um, to sort of go back to your previous question, for people like me, if I want to remain anonymous and completely go underground, I think the um, I think I've got two clear choices. I either get someone that's extremely 
competent that I can trust to help me and to be able to set that all up for me, or I have to learn how to do it myself, which I have looked into. And I think at this particular point in time, the uh, the, the amount that you need to learn to be able to do that requires significant time effort, time and effort. And I think there's no real, uh, there's, there's not an, a readily available product that allow us to be able to make that transition ourselves with limited with limited knowledge at this stage. But if people if people say that that's wrong and they've got ideas on how to do it, I'd say please contact me. I'd love to know. Well, uh, you know, is it just security? Is it network security you're looking for, or uh, you know, the no. whole web web security as well? I'm talking like if uh, someone wanted to. Go and take complete um, control and care and all the rest of it, how do they do that and know that what they've done hasn't put them in a compromising position? It's more about the ability to validate what you've done as opposed to doing doing what you need to do. How do you validate that what you've done is uh, is, is, is working? Ah, well, that's how you get pen, you get pen testers for that. So you yeah. need pen yeah, so testers to come yeah. in and beat the living crap out of it. There's a few yeah, people in the in the pirate discord. If you, if you know I am Legion, he's really good at breaking shit. Yeah, oh, that's the great thing about, that's why I loved Komodo so much. I mean, coming in with a good business background and understanding how that side of things works and, and walking into a world of, of people that are highly gifted and obsessed by uh, deep technology was, was a wonderful. It was like uh, I'd had the, the curtain raised on a world that I, I knew existed, but had never actually seen or been involved in. So to have so many people pushing the boundaries and pushing the limitations of what's possible with the with the current tech is um, it's 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 liberating. To be honest, it's amazing to see how clever these guys are and how dedicated to the cause they are. And uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Oh man, you, you got to come with us to the Cayman Islands next year. We had such a good time over there. For sure, for sure, I'd love to. But uh, at the mo at the moment, our um our focus uh, through Red Fox and through getting um, Komodo adopted <clears throat> Komodo adopted is really on digital inclusion. So we see the the massive opportunities here in in this particular region to um to take the the sixty percent of the population that isn't part of the digital economy and provide them with very simplistic, easy to use applications yeah. that allow them to be able to be part of part of the uh, digital economy and people say it can't be done and you can't bypass banking systems and all the rest of it and this is this is complete garbage we've got little tiny um coffee shops that sell coffees for 40 cents on the street corners where it looks like it's made out of some cart that um has been in the family for generations and these mm -hmm. there's one old lady that works there and or, or they're making sugarcane juice or whatever they can awesome. now list their coffees and products on a marketplace that is then delivered to their doorstep through food apps to people's doorsteps and they're paid yeah so this is like this is like uh, uh people that have got 100 year old businesses passed down through the generations that that make a very very small amount of money can now be accessible to anybody in any house in any area and i think that uh the technology progression and what it's opening up the doorways for is absolutely mind-blowing it's I, I really can't wait to see tons of businesses using their own cryptocurrencies 
I imagine, I envision a world where every business has their own cryptocurrency. I mean, if you want sales bread down the block, you got to have sales coins. That's how you, that's how you buy the bread. It's interesting that you say that because by the exchange. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I'm not quite sure, to be honest, how that part of it will work. But you, you imagine like we're doing a rewards and, and cashback app now, right? We're about to launch that in a couple of months in um, Myanmar and then Vietnam and Philippines. Now, that app basically allows you to watch videos, uh, do surveys, give feedback, um, buy stuff online, and you get um, points, which are converted into uh, dollars. So <clears throat> this is um, this is a concept that's been done to great success in other countries. Um, we've got some big partners, and our partner in Myanmar has more than 11 million fans, so they're one of the biggest brand and content platforms. So we've got a huge audience and a huge market. But to your previous point, the interesting part is, in a country like Vietnam, when we launch, it is illegal for us to have a cryptocurrency as a as the form of payment because we can't use that to to buy goods or services. So wow. we've had to work out how to make it a points based system um, that you'd use Facebook to uh, to register through. It's a right. and the person would just be look, looking at a button that says redeem, um, earn. So simple buttons underneath. Right would be the key that they don't even know, uh, but the key would actually sign the message. So we're actually sending coins, shadowing the, the, the movement of the um, of the points. But at the point of payment, when they press redeem, the coins go back to the original bucket where they came from and we settle the, the, the um, transaction through fiat. Uh, now, people might say, well, that's not ideal and that's not helping with um, the adoption. Well, it is because exactly. a, a lot of people are using the coins and people don't even have to learn how to have a wallet or what a coin is and they don't even have to worry about what's happening on the back end. But we have to come up with bypasses like this because any type of, and this is why most of the coin, um, those types of rewards and loyalty coin programs are failing in, in the region is because it's illegal. You can't actually use the coins to pay for stuff. So... Right. It, the, the rules and legislation dictate to us how those coins will be adopted. And I think from talking to a lot of the governments here, these most of these countries are moving towards the same principle of making it so that you cannot use a cryptocurrency in, in, in place of the dollar. So I, I believe in my heart of hearts, I believe especially for this region, that there'll either be one or two cryptocurrencies that become the accepted currency or... Mm. Um, the tech will be used, but you won't be able to use cryptocurrency as a form of payment. Well, you know, it reminds me of uh, Incent. You, you ever heard of Incent? It was a Waves. I don't think they're running anymore, but they had the same type of reward system as well. You should check them out. Uh, they were doing yeah. well, but they they had a they had a an issue where the developer ran away with all the all the funds, you know. Uh, right. Well, that's the good thing about the way, the way we're doing it. How we do it is basically we send our Red Fox, which gives utility to our coin. We send our coin to a, an address which effectively acts like a burn address um, because those coins can never go back into retail, into the retail marketplace. We have everybody that starts an account gets basically a whitelisted address the coins that they earn get sent to that address and the only place that that address can send to is back to the uh, address that they came from, so back to the original bucket that gets topped up. So um, 
these coins can never really go back into uh, circulation. normal circulation. And the good thing is if the, we've come up with a clever way to make it so that if someone hacks your Facebook account or hacks the doesn't account take over attack of the database that contains the points, Without the actual uh, link to the to the actual um, coins underneath, those they're they're worthless. They can't be resold on the secondary market. So the great part about it is that uh, no one can run away with the funds um, that, that doesn't exist on on our system. So is there it, it, is there any type of governance in the system? I think that that would be an issue if it did come up. Uh, you know, so any way where somebody could say. Or these coins are not yours or they're stolen and we need to take them back I mean, is there any type of governance oh yeah 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 help with the point you know, like yeah, somebody's got yeah. too many points yeah absolutely there's all sorts of different um governance mechanisms and also at that level as well for uh so from from bots and from um um there's 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 lots i, I won't go too much into that side because it's um something that we're we're very mindful that other people will um, will do as well, and and we want to make sure that everything that we're doing is kind of a first on Komodo as well. Um, so, but but the the thing is that uh, we've we put a lot of time and effort into it, and it was probably a little bit more complicated on the underneath than we would have liked because of the fact that uh, because of the fact that um, the, the the legislators have made it difficult for. For, for this part of the world to do that. But for example, there's certain things we've said, like you cannot transfer points to another person. Uh, as soon as you transfer points to another person, it's a, like a whitelisted wallet to a whitelisted wallet. Can't do that with the rules, very simple. And um, there's, there's very few points of failure. So it can only be um, the, the origin bucket that actually sends points to the whitelisted address and then the whitelisted address back when you redeem, you can't, you can't send to other places. So. We've really tried to mitigate the risks. We've come up with some really um, cool little things yeah. in there as well, but there'll be a lot of firsts. Yeah, uh, the way you're doing it sounds sounds right. Whitelisting, uh, it's it's basically it's like when you set up a home network, uh, always filter by MAC address, always whitelist the computers you have, so that yeah nothing else yep. could enter. You know, so you, yep, you're on so the right you, you're on the right track. But when you see it, there's a little bit it's a little bit more complicated, and there's a little bit. More it but um but you, you you're 100 on the right track i mean this is um this is something that uh it's a massive problem in the in that industry um even in the airline industry last year 4.3 billion dollars worth of points were stolen from dormant accounts um amalgamated and then sold on the black market so it's a massive industry so um once again komodo's tech is going to bring to market a, a solution that um that that deals with a lot of the industry issues which is which is really good so we, we want to make sure that even though the end users of our products see them as um familiar products that they kind of know about or have already dealt with before but the, the differing underlying technology is something they don't have to know about concern themselves with or, or to learn and i mean we've also got a game coming out very soon that's um just being integrated now we build it blockchain side first and so it is the first NFT game that will have 100% gameplay logic on the blockchain. Again, only Komodo is capable of doing this type of stuff. So really, we're very EOS, happy to release that. Ethereum, yep. EOS, they can't do this? No, this is like a, when you're talking about putting all of the logic on the blockchain, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty heavy stuff. And uh, 
Komodo obviously has um, has some amazing capabilities as far as transactions and uh, as far as security and as far as uh, interoperability is concerned, and it's kind of a showcase of uh, of, of all of that. Um, the I guess the interesting part was first we had to make sure that the blockchain side of it worked and it and it did actually do what we thought it could do. Um, and, and JL and Dimsey and all these guys are like absolutely incredible at what they do, obviously. But then we had to find a, a, a front end or build a GUI that actually plugged in and then didn't sacrifice anything and then integrated properly. So there was a lot of question marks on even if one part's done, can we can we actually do this? Um, and then the integration to the blockchain uh, with the actual front side of the game started a few days back and the two pieces have clicked together. And uh, to their credit, these guys have created something that's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, the, the front end of the game, people would look at and sort of say, okay, it's pretty, it's pretty um, run in the mill. It's like a standard everyday average game. It's not supposed to be a $15 million um, huge interplanetary war game or something like that. It's a, it's a showcase of technology and, it, and it, this will really open up people to wanting to build NFT games on Komodo. That, that's you know Komodo is, has, is amazing and I love the fact that and I don't just say this I've been in Komodo a long time for a reason because it's amazing uh, if there's, there's one certain aspect I love about it is the fact that if 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 uh, Komodo breaks in any way your asset or your token or your coin or your asset chain uh, is not affected at all you're still up and running unlike oh, Ethereum right. and all those other ones uh, that's my favorite feature of it, and I could understand by it being so independent how it would have so many more options for it. Uh, there's a lot more pipelines at that point where you could do a lot more things when it's separated from the chain. You know, well, you know what I love? I love the fact that the devs in Komodo, like my favorite part is the stuff that it's like they never say we've done enough or we've created enough. They never yeah, always moving forward. They They're always pushing. Exactly. And the thing is that when you surround yourself with other people that are the same mindset and want to push that envelope and want to be the first and want to do something that hasn't been done before, it's quite inspiring to be around. But I love the yeah. fact that I can go to any chain and say, can you do this? And they go, not yet. But at some stage um, in the future, maybe we'll be able to integrate with another chain or um, we've tried it and it doesn't work or it's not possible or you go to Komodo and you say, this is what I need to get done and they say, well, this is when it will be ready. It's a matter of how much time it's going to take, but it's all possible. You know, you know, who's the guy that built the first SuperNet website? Who? Oh, you were? Me. Yeah. Really? I first, I, I built me, me and Nosh, we got together and, you know, uh, I built the first SuperNet website. I always like saying that because it makes me feel special because that's how much I love Komodo. I mean, think about it. If it was a shitty coin, you'd think I'd give a damn what I did for it? But, you know, look, being part of such an awesome project, I mean, I, I, feel, look, I feel blessed. It was awesome. It's amazing. And I think, um, again, to use another another Chinese reference, um, um, uh, this is why it'll be very popular and why it is popular in China as well. But you know, China said in the beginning we wanted to catch up with the American companies. Um, and then they said, you know, in, in the days of sales, it was all about where your shop's located and where the best, it's about location. Then they said in the PC internet era, it was about traffic and click-throughs and how much traffic you had in. 
in the mobile internet era, it's all about time, getting people's time. And what they said was, when we caught up to America, a lot of these big companies, we sort of thought, oops, what do we do now? There's no playbook for what comes next. So it was messy and it was trial and error and we've had to innovate and, and scale as we go. The interesting part about that is Komodo, um, people get frustrated because they say it doesn't market well enough and it doesn't advertise itself well enough. And as I've said a million times before, it's almost futile to spend a lot of money on marketing something that you don't sell uh, because there's no way to recoup that money. You're better off to spend it on the development. Right. Um, but of course, it's a chicken and the egg because you need adoption. Right. And the thing is that Komodo is like China in that reference in the sense that it's caught up to what the other chains can do some time ago. And now it's saying, how do we innovate when there's no playbook? What do we do next? Where can we take this? And this open collaborative approach to an outside eye might say, it's a bit messy or what the hell are they doing? Or how come this is like... It's it's effectively an innovation hub and a, and a platform for innovation and creation. And once you get your head around it, a people's minds get blown at what what Komodo can actually do. But people have to be a little bit um, understanding of the fact that they're in territory that hasn't been charted before. Right. Um, well, there is well, no to, place. to be fair, I I believe. Komodo is way below value, and this is not financial advice. You know, I was thinking of label, relabeling my show to this is not financial advice, just to get that out yeah. of the way. You know. Well, I, 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 think, I think as far as the value is concerned, I think that um, the markets don't have an actual value yet for crypto. They're, 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 they're all speculation because right. the thing is, if you do some real research and go in and have a look at blockchain um, companies like blockchain revenue, like what are the top revenue generating blockchain projects, the the majority of them, I think almost all of the top 10 or 15 don't have a coin uh, and they're not projects that you would think, I know that project very well. They're like, you're thinking, what the hell's that? I've never heard of that. It's quite surprising. So the thing, the thing is that in the traditional world, it's based on revenue and it's based on um, either top line or bottom line or a mix, but it's, it's based on how much revenue is coming in. These companies don't make money, don't sell anything. Um, that's why when we did Red Fox, we thought, as I said to you, Linux needs a red hat. Komodo needs a red fox. If we can build enterprise businesses and normal businesses on top of Komodo's platform and technology, even though it's an open source platform, it gains value the same way Linux did. Right. Well, I'll, I'll disagree a little bit with the marketing side. I do believe that, you know, uh, marketing should be a little more prevalent. Uh, just, just just because uh, you could do a lot with a little money as well. Mm. Uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money uh, to do marketing. And, uh, and if you think about it like this, if how many people do they have in their Discord? We'll, we'll say 3,000. I'm sure there's like 10,000 or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll say, we'll say 3,000, right? If, if, if you get 1,000 people to put out a tweet, you have... You, you just got your money back, like, or, or you got your money at all. You got it. You, that's it. That's an income stream almost because that, that, that kind of work uh, to do manually costs a lot of money. 
know, on top the of the, you know, reaching out to people and but you have everybody in the community. So you're right. You have to use you're right. However, the messaging side of things is very, very, very interesting because people will say, you know, like look at Chainlink, for example. It's this amazing project and it's got all these partnerships and all the rest of it. And for all intent and purposes, it's it's one of it's one of Komodo's modules, right? It's a part of what Komodo can do. So the thing is, um, it's at this stage when you offer as much as Komodo has and as and as much as Komodo can do, you've got to be very, very mindful about it's a it's a process of education and it's a process of allowing people to understand what is capable, what it can do. And the interesting right. thing is if Komodo does ever go out and, and say, we can do this or we've come up with this, people say, really? That's a solution that someone just raised $150 on another chain to try and solve. Are you sure? And then they go, I've never heard of Komodo. So it's also a matter of, um, let, let's be honest, if you, put a, if you put 10 dot points down on what Komodo can do, people would say, that's impossible. How's that even, how's that even possible? So it's really about the education of, um, of, of the markets and the markets maturing as well because people are still give, chucking 50, bucks in, uh, $50 million in to solve a problem that's been solved 10 times over in, in different right. um, chains already because they just don't know. They don't know what's been done. They don't know what um, is possible. And you, know, and, you know, if it was like maybe seven years ago, you know, you would know because there weren't that many coins. For sure. You know, but For now sure. you, you you just can't keep up with every single project. There's just too many of them. It's hard. That's to why. That's it. why. That's why with with Red Fox, Red Fox itself shouldn't really do too much marketing at the top level because um, Red Fox at the top level would be the, the the company owner and the creator and the umbrella of the companies underneath. But the companies underneath will um, be able to sort of give Komodo that, that extended marketing push because it will be powered by Komodo and it will have Komodo under the hood and it will have transaction volumes and it will have usage and all those wonderful things. But um, And we're not far now. We've got, we're a couple of months from having the game and the, um, and the rewards app. So the thing is that this type of attention and stuff will definitely come, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be more about people wanting to come in and say, well, I want to build a company that does something like that or this. This is this is the first. These are the first. Uh, I won't say mass adopted, but the first high well, adoption rate apps. Right. On, but on. but you but you should always have a marketing area. I mean, you should have. Sure. You should always have marketing in in any sense of the word, right? Because if it doesn't exist completely, I mean, you're just completely off the map. I mean, you should you should you know what? Forget marketing. You should at least have an SEO person being SEO conscious, conscious of everything that's being done, uh, you know, as far as yeah. press releases and articles, yep. right? Because they need to be enhanced. Um, you know, these things, they, they need to be there or else you're just, you're going to fall behind because it For takes sure. a long I think time that... to start. It takes a long start, oh. a long time to build backlinks and, and, you know, try ranking for specific keywords. It, it SEO is a very long process. Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing is that they have actually, um, in the last couple of years, um, definitely gotten a lot better. And they're working with some um, some very reputable outside uh, companies on on their um, strategy and delivery. And um, you've seen CA do a lot more 
interviews lately, which is what Komodo really needed. I mean, in the beginning, people were saying, you know, Benny, you can help us with exposure and you can help us bring people into Komodo. But, um, and that was, that's all well and good and that works and it brings people's eyeballs in. But they're sort of like, what am I looking at? Um, and we've always, I guess, needed someone to um, explain technical capabilities and the technical side of things in simplistic terms and to uh, CA's I, credit. You, you know, yeah. making, it, making it a point system, like you said earlier, is a great idea. Uh, just just yeah. because you'll get that adoption, but you know, shooting for the moon is great, and trying to get all those big companies. But you know what? Why not the mom and pop stores? Why not send flyers out to every door? It's it's really cheap to send flyers out. You know, there's there's actually sure. flyer services that you could use. You know, if you own a if you own a business, you know, uh, maybe it's time to start you know creating a point system, a value system. Where it actually stores value for yourself, and you yep. Know, so this is definitely coming. But I think that the the point that I was making as well before is that I think um, CA's really gotten um, very good at um, the interview side of things now because uh, um, I think back in the day it was um, very hard to get your head out of the tech space. If you're in coding all day, all day in programming, you come out and someone says. Hey, and they're very in touch with the um, the media are very in touch with the what the coin owners want and what the crypto audience wants. And to come out and say, oh, we put a patch in that that uh, that allows coffee to be made at warp speed if you're uh, upside down in a in a in a lithium spacesuit or something, and people are going, what the hell are you talking about? So now he's gotten very very good now at um, understanding the. The, the mainstream side of things as well yeah. and he's being able to break down what we're doing technically into simplistic and easy to digest terms and i think that's that's definitely um i think the education piece is definitely coming along very very well and uh hopefully when these apps that we've got that are coming out and some of the partnerships that we've got with um big companies coming up that that's going to uh that's going to mean that um we get more usage and exposure for for komodo so uh, I think it's going to come together very nicely. And, um, mm -hmm. I think that this is just a showcase. If we can go out and build a game with 100% logic on the blockchain and we can build a rewards app that doesn't require us to create a new coin and force force some new coin for the sake of having a coin down people's throats and the people that are using it don't have to understand how to use crypto, we're, we're actually effectively adopting, helping with adoption and getting people to use cryptocurrency without actually know that knowing that they're using it and i think that's um for us that's our kind of when, game plan when things when things get a little more advanced in the future and people understand cryptocurrency to the point where they're using it like a credit card uh you know then then you can see my vision after that where everyone's going to start having their own cryptocurrency yeah we'll see what we can do with our models we've um, been very careful as well which is why it takes us quite a while to get this stuff done is that we actually make a model so that if the government ever turned around and said blockchain is illegal in thailand and anyone using blockchain will go to jail we can turn around and say okay it clicks off and our company isn't dependent on it because it works in the background as a as a point of differentiation but the good the uh, reverse to that is if the government turns around and says we encourage and promote because we've legislated or because we've allowed people to use cryptocurrencies, we can literally flick the switch and swap uh, the fiat transactions at the top level for all of the different products we bring out for crypto straight away. But the good part about that, that is probably... 
Sorry. They say that they say that because they know they could trace it. They say, yeah, go yeah, right ahead. Sure. We promote it because we already got a lockdown on how we're going to trace every wallet. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But the other good part about that is that um, you know we've got like um, we've got the rewards and cash back. We've got a game, and then we've got um, a, an aggregator for insurance and finance coming out, and then a, a Twitch equivalent, and then we've also got. Um, uh, other projects like a, a, an edutech app that allows you to get on-demand English lessons. How all of this stuff will work is it'll all you all work on Komodo's technology, but it'll all work with Red Fox Coin in the background, giving it utility. And it means that if we ever do flick that switch, no one has to have one coin for edutech, one coin for this, one coin for that. It's literally one coin for the entire ecosystem. So. Um, we're trying to build with the fact that um, build an ecosystem. That's not, that sounds like a, a great a great onboarding you know mechanism, and it's probably going to be needed for many years, you know, until people get used to it. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that the easiest way to uh, the easiest way to um, explain something to somebody is to say. Do you know that thing that you already use? This is how it works, as opposed to, hey, I've got something, learn how to use it, and you can actually then use it in a in an application that's not as good as the one that you're already using. I mean, if you look at a lot of these blockchain apps that are out on the marketplace at the moment, they're, they're just not up to scratch. Um, parochial people or early adopters or sneezers will, will trial it and use it to say that we're proud to use crypto and, and we're, we're progressing forwards and all the rest of it, but very few hands on heart can say we've provided or produced something better than what you're already currently using and it's worthy of replacing what you're using. So this is what, this is where our method is very different in the sense that we're trying to trying to do it as a, as a base layer differentiation. You, you think Pirate will be able to do that in the Cayman Islands soon? I think, I think um, Pirate's got enough smart people nice. side and they've got enough people that are coming in from the creative side i think that the um i'm really interested to watch that project it's one of my favorites as far as the potential is concerned and to see how they're going to navigate their way around legislators and all the rest of it but well, I mean, we, we, we have we we actually have drath in the channel with us who is captain who is a captain of the pirate ship Drake. Welcome, oh, Dre. Oh, hey. Yeah, hey, mate. Is this is this the sneak attack? <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, great, great. I think that I, I do think Pirates got like um, every chance in the world, and I've um, you know people have said to me, "Be careful," because you, if you if you're talking about it and you're promoting it and you're um, mentioning it, um, you know, you're trying to now set up an established regulated. Um, you know, enterprise arm of, of promoting Komodo's technology, just be careful, just be careful. And I keep thinking to myself, you know what, we're not giving financial advice or investment advice, but I'm allowed to talk about what I think's good and what I think's going to work and what I think's needed. And uh, it's it's a wake up call that a lot of these uh, a lot of people need. I think it's an I think it's a fantastic project. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, the biggest thing though was that. Uh... There's a few things that I was listening in on, and then I heard you guys mention one of which was the uh, the point of sale system. Like you know, basically you have regulations where somebody can't accept crypto, right? 
Yep. Um, but the cool thing with the the point of sale system that we're developing is that the person that is at the store that runs the store doesn't actually have to accept crypto. Because the cool thing with the, the, the system that we're trying to develop is that you can pay with something, say, for example, like Pirate Chain. But then what ends up happening is the person that accepts that transaction doesn't actually accept the Pirate Chain itself. They That Pirate Chain goes through immediately to an exchange, gets converted to T euros, then goes to a bank who then issues that merchant their na native fiat. This way, they don't have yeah. to touch any crypto. And on top of that, it pr protects the privacy of the purchaser. This way, you know, nobody has to know what they're purchasing. And that's the whole point. Yeah, that's it. That's um, it's a similar system to what, um, I don't know if you know them, you know, MCO, Monaco card. They um, raised a yeah, lot of money and said they were bringing out a crypto credit card and all the rest of it. And then everybody went nuts at them because they said, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually paying in Singapore dollars or wherever I am. Like, what's the story? But people don't understand that you can't just take Monaco coins and, and buy an ice cream with them. It just doesn't work that way. So I think what you're talking about there is is um, is the, the right way to go and the most logical solution. And I think, you know, people talk about freedom and, and all the rest of it and say, you know, everyone bows out and sells out and everything's centralised and all the rest of it in these early stages there has to be some little piece of compromise and if you can still protect privacy in the way that you've explained and yet everybody's still kept happy and it's allowed to continue then um it, it's a great step forward in the right direction isn't it oh yeah 100 percent. and then this actually kind of leads back into what you were talking about with the mobile phone situation where you know it's not actually private you know like if you have like an android or an apple phone your data is going somewhere and most likely being either a kept in a in an area where people could see it, or you know, to a point where um, you know they're selling it. You know, so what I was going to say was back when you know I had my Galaxy S3 and S5 and uh, S5 and whatnot, um, I used to actually remove the operating system on the phone and put on a custom operating system. You know, this way it acts just like it should but it removes all the bloatware, all the spyware, all that crap that, you know, is natively on the phone when you get it. This way it protects not only my privacy, but increases my security. So what I was gonna say to that comment about phones before was the fact that, you know, if we could somehow develop something that'll work similarly to that, and from my understanding, it's a little bit harder because of Knox that they put on uh, the Knox system, they put on Android phones. But if you're able to still do that, not only will you protect your privacy, but then you can have a safe, safe storage unit for your crypto, you know? So you don't, and at that point it can be encrypted and nobody can read it. Actually, um, actually uh, send me a message after this because we're doing, um, I've come from a telco background for 20 years and uh, we are doing some, finalizing some partnerships now, uh, trying to get a proper handset partnership through the region for the release of our rewards app. So um, I know the people that you would have to speak to. So uh, give me a buzz later and we, I can put you in contact with these people. Oh, keep in mind that I got out of that game probably about like a good five years ago. So 
I'll probably be a lot really rusty. And plus, I was I wasn't actually developing the operating systems myself. Keep that in mind too. I was you. I was scouring the. Um, oh shit! I forget the yeah, website. Yeah, I, I know. I know which ones you're talking about. I used to root them also. You, yeah, you used yeah, to root yeah. the phone. They they had all these great custom operating systems, but the Chinese ones. I, I um, used to do that, man. No, not the Chinese ones. I I forget yeah. what website I actually used. You probably seen it before, but. Um, but either way, yeah. there's there's one yeah there's one that does a real awesome job. I just forgot the name of it also. Oh, and one la one absolutely the last thing I wanted to say because I've been like trying to keep track of everything that you guys are saying and keep mental notes of all this stuff. But um, what I was gonna say before uh, you were talking about how marketing really isn't needed and versus what Lutz was saying is how marketing is more needed than you think. Here's here's what I've realized after you know managing pirate and then you know managing a ton of other stuff like throughout life in general, including like I used to own a uh, automotive uh, custom shop and stuff. To where, if you know, you, Komodo can have all the developments they want, and they could have you know barely any marketing budget set aside to you know do what they need to do. But the problem is, is that with the way that Komodo is marketing, they're just like pirate. They're marketing to an echo chamber, you know. All these awesome developments come can come out, and then it goes through all the same channels, but without a marketing budget to where you can actually create press releases that go worldwide on, you know, advertising on various uh, news sites and crypto sites, and just basically get to as to all the crevices that it could possibly get to. You're gonna stay within that echo chamber. And no matter what developments come out, it's going to hit those same people. And granted, yeah, you might hit a spike here or there because maybe somebody else heard about it from, you know, down the line. That's kind of new. But unless you actually tap into the markets and make a true attempt to do that to the markets that you haven't actually tapped into yet, you're not really going to get too much further. Uh, actually, yeah, let me just clarify before I, I never I wasn't in any way shape or form insinuating or I never say that uh, marketing's not needed what I say what I say is it's hard to justify the expense of marketing if there is no way to recoup that money through revenue streams so for example if I'm providing um, a free service uh, to people let's say it's a counseling service I'm not going to go and spend it's not easy to spend thirty or forty thousand dollars marketing a service where people come to me and then I give them something for free. Um, it's it's uh, You've just got to be very careful with the spend because you've got to also take into consideration that comes out of development funds and all the rest of it. But they, but Komodo do have obviously marketing budget and they do spend money on marketing. It's just a matter of, um, it's just a matter of uh, people have always been a little bit critical that it's not enough or it doesn't penetrate the right um audiences and all the rest of it so i think it's um like i say the, the message needs to be very clear on what they go out with as well because there is just so much and you could spend your whole day well, just retaliating well, to other people well well what if what if they what if the marketing team was a little more public with what they did and actually told the people what niches they're they're attacking right so when i when i market something if i'm doing flyer distribution that's mainstream Right. So we're going to try to get some more mainstream people on board by utilizing flyer distribution services, right? Uh, or, you know, we post something on a crypto website like CoinPayment or what, what CoinDesk, right? I think it's like 
thousands of dollars to post something in CoinDesk. Or you could post it to CoinDesk where the same people who know you are just going to listen to the news and just take it with a grain of salt. You see, but but, yeah, but sure. they still do need to hear it. So you still need to appeal to all the markets. So as they as they attack every market, you know, and however they're doing it, you know, get get the people involved, you know, because, you know, I've noticed I get a lot of great advice from our community. You know, I, we get a lot of great feedback. We get contributors. You know, it's it's really you, so. And like I was saying earlier, your best bet is to combine the marketing team with the community uh, and have them do things like bounties, right? And and get people more involved in you know using tools like Gleam. You know, there's there's all sorts of great things out there. Yeah, for uh, sure, but, for sure. And they're cheap, and they're really cheap. Gleam.io is a cheap service. You know, so all you need is somebody to manage it. Or somebody to work it for you, right? Yeah, for sure. And they definitely have got a lot better in the last couple of years, and they've definitely started to to penetrate a lot further. It's just a matter of um, it's just a matter of, and getting this exposure in um, China and through the uh, um, secondary news, like the markets that are outside of the crypto space as well, is also extremely good uh, reward for all the hard effort that's been put in. So it's good to see that that, that that's actually starting to happen now. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this off here, guys. It's an hour and a half. It's a bit too long for my my taste in shows. Uh, people are gonna start losing attention span. Usually, about thirty minutes is the statistic. Yeah, so just uh, cut it down to whatever. Cut it down to the juicy bits. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, so everybody, thank you for for uh, attending the show today. We have about seventeen people listening live. Uh, that's it, it, that's fine because I, I never pre-announced it. I wasn't sure if Bitcoin Benny was was going to be there, uh, so I didn't I didn't announce it on any social medias. Uh, but that aside, you could always you always have the live link. It's always the same live link. Uh, come into Pirate Discord. Come into Crypto Core Media Discord. Hell, go into Red Fox Discord. I'm there also. I think I'm in like sixty Discords, and and you can come and find me. Uh, you, Thank you, you very much, fantastic speaker. As always, it's a pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me, and um, hope we can do it again soon. We could always do it again. I'm always down. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a great, have an awesome day. Yeah, you too, man. And... This has been Crypto Core Radio. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends so they can be among the first to learn about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency advancement in, in the, the new, new digital, digital economy. economy.